Life support is nominal. The oxygen danger indicator level is yellow. Please remember that this is a non-smoking pirate ship. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to GameIndustry.com's The Gin Lounge. We are back in action here in 2016, and uh, I am joined by William White and Aaliyah White. Uh, so welcome to the lounge today, guys. Really excited to have you both here. Glad to be here. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And Aaliyah, Aaliyah uh, for those of you that don't know, is, uh, in addition to being an awesome gamer, is also our cartoonist. So our uh, our uh, weekly Sunday gin comics are all thanks to her. And uh, and so she's she's the, the person behind the mask. She's quite she's quite an amazing artist. We're really happy to have her. Um, so anyway, uh, today we are going to be talking about games that make an impact. Uh, so uh, Billy uh, and Aaliyah were talking about. Uh, I guess let me let me ask you guys because this was kind of your um, your idea for a show. Uh, was this just like a discussion you guys were having around the dinner table, or was this? Did you one of you play a game that you thought, wow, this really made an impact on me? We should talk about games that do this. Or how how did the idea for the show come about? Uh, Billy, I guess I'll ask you first. <laughs> um, well, it's it's actually one of the things you said. We were uh, – I had just pl- finished playing, and this kind of adds, I guess, to the list, almost starts it. Um, I had just finished playing Undertale, and I, I had it on the TV, and Aaliyah was watching me play and everything. And just like everything that game did just made me think, holy, holy crap, this is what games can do. This is what games can be. It was really, really impressive, like. I have unlimited amounts of praise for that game just because of how how much it changed how you look at games is how I feel about it. Now, interestingly enough, I don't know much about the game other than I read your review, your five star, you know, five gin gem uh, review for it, which was impressive. It looked like it looked like the graphics were, you know, not what you would consider, you know, amazing in your face graphics. It looked, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, hand drawn type stuff. I mean, it was nice, but it wasn't like, you know, oh wow, this is what it looks like to go through a warp portal type of graphics. Um, so the game must have touched you in a different way, other than just with an amazing graphical presentation. What was it about uh, Undertale that that made you say that? Um, well. The game has this really unique thing to it where you can basically be a pacifist or a killer, and it sets you up in that typical JRPG-like style, but instead of actually, like, fighting enemies, you can choose to, like, talk to enemies and, like, help them solve their problems and everything <laughs> like that, and and you do this all through battle and stuff like that, and... You basically you you talk to enemies enough until you 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 pacify them and you can choose to spare them and then you know the battle ends with nobody having died and if you go this route you actually gain no experience and you just you just continue through the game having to talk enemies down and stuff like that and it goes through the same thing with bosses and stuff and it makes for a really really unique way of play Wow, that does sound really cool. Is there a skill involved in talking them down? Like, do you have to, is it like a telltale game? Do you have to pick the right dialogue option or something? Or how does it work? Um, there are right dialogue options and, like, certain sequences. And also, in between every instance of you talking to an enemy, um, you have to go through a small bullet hell section where, like, the the way they explain it is your soul is attacked by the enemy and it's got like this little heart and you have to like dodge all the enemy shots and stuff and and you're not like you can't fight back and still be a pacifist so it's basically just you trying to survive as long as you can until you talk the enemy down it's not 
it's not too hard. It's it's meant so that pretty much anyone can pick it up and play it. It's not extremely hard, but it's still really challenging and really unique. Huh. I wonder if uh, I wonder if it would be a decent game for uh, people who are you know have trouble with like conflict resolution or something like that to kind of try to prove <laughs> there's a better way to do things other than fisticuffs. <laughs> I don't know, um, but it sounds neat. Um, it was that, uh, and that's on PC, right? Yeah, it's actually it's it's only on PC, surprisingly enough. Okay. And I think that's okay because a lot of the things the game does, I think, are only doable on PC. I don't think you could do it on a console. Okay. Well, fair enough. Well, interesting. And and it spawned the whole show today. So so kudos to it. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, those of you who are listening, um, you can check out the game, uh, the review of the game uh, on the main page at GameIndustry.com. Uh, that ran uh, last week, um, but it should still be up on the front page. Uh, so check it out and see if Undertale is cool for you. It's some something to do with dancing with spiders. I saw. I don't know. It looks pretty pre- <laughs> looked pretty cool. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, let's go to uh, Aaliyah, so uh, what does uh, what do you have to uh, contribute as to a, a game that uh, you think could could really show people the value of what what games do for us? You know, kind of kind of show people that magic that we all know games ex- have, but not everybody does. What what would be a good example to to show someone? Well, after I was watching Billy play, that's when I started <laughs> thinking about it, and the first one that popped into my mind was actually Shadow of the Colossus. Ah. Good one. Good one. Uh the, that that has been that has been featured a lot actually. There was uh don't take this the wrong way, but this it was featured in an Adam Sandler movie, believe it or not, where uh he was like a um I think his like wife had died or something like that and he was playing Shadow of the Colossus uh, the themes in that game were, are so epic. You're kind of like on this epic quest, and and I don't know, it it kind of like soothed him or something like that. But but it was interesting that a mainstream movie picked up on I think the themes that you're probably talking about. What was it about Shadow of the Colossus for you uh, that made you think it deserved to be on this list? And I wholeheartedly agree with you, by the way. Well, when I first played Shadow of the Colossus, I had no idea what it was. But uh, it was in college when I picked it up, and someone was like, you have to play this game. So I was like, okay, whatever. I did, and immediately upon entering the world, it was just this huge, wide-open space, and basically, here's your sword. It tells you where to go. Go have fun. I was like, all right, I've never played such an open-ended game before. So definitely felt the wideness of the space you were in. Um, what about the – what about I, – I hear – I. Uh, I'm embarrassed to say it. I've never actually played the game, but I know a lot about it. Um, I hear the monsters are like actual pretty colossal in size. Did, did that kind of, as someone who's never played a game like that before, what what were your what did you think when you actually saw one of the colossuses in the game? Well, I definitely understood why the world was so big. Because as soon as I went into this huge space, I was like, there's a lot of room to do nothing in. And then I saw how big the Colossi were, and it was just, like, massive. And it was amazing seeing one for the first time, because, you know, something that huge in a game was completely new to me. And the way they went presenting it, it wasn't like they were evil out to kill you, or that you were you were out to kill them, but it wasn't for any evil intent and purpose, or, or because they had done anything. You just had to spend your time, this 
weak, feeble little person having to clamber all over these gigantic beasts, trying to figure out where best to stab them. And you had to be really strategic or just something as simple as holding on. And it was just a really interesting way to play. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I think, thinking back at that ridiculous movie, I think that was a metaphor for, like, the problems that the guy was going through were just so massive. And, and, and to really solve them in real life, you had to, you basically had to hang on and outlast them and, and do, be really strategic. So and, uh, that game speaks to an awful lot of people for a, for a lot of different reasons. Um, I, I mean, also, uh, you know, it's in that same family as Ico. Um, did, you, did you ever get to play that? And, and would you say that, would you say that Shadow of the Colossus would be a better example in this particular genre than Ico, or, or do you say I that... I never uh... got to play Ico. I okay. Was, but I never got to play it. I mean, I hardly, hardly had access to Shadow of the Colossus. I'm lucky Billy had everything, but... <laughs> Well, that's funny. Between the two of us, we've played both games, so we'll have to get together and compare notes, I guess. Um, but pretty cool. Or pretty I cool. could just stop being lazy and get the game. Yeah, I guess it's it's like probably like ten bucks now. I think as a as a companion pack, I think or something like that. I saw over at the used game store. Um, Billy, okay, what, how about, uh, let's throw it back to you. Uh, I know you guys had, a, uh, quite a few on your list, and I only have, like, a couple, so, um, so Billy, uh, let's, let's throw it back to you. What's another one that you think kind of fits into the theme that we're, we're going down here? Um, okay, this one, this one's a little weird, if only because it's a game that never came to America. Um, it's, it's Mother 3, which is... The third game, that, that's the series from Earthbound comes from. Earthbound's the second game in the series and everything, but Mother 3 has never come to America. Um, I've played it, fans' translations, uh, so yeah, there's that. But the game, the game does a wonderful job at storytelling, and, and that, that's kind of a trait of the Mother series, but Mother 3 really, really brings it home with this, this amazing adventure that you have to go on, and you start as a little kid, and... And kind of like Undertale, violence isn't always the solution, but a lot of times it is. In this case, it, it was really it was a unique experience just for the story alone of what it did and the themes that it had going on inside of it. And then it also just had this really, really weird but fun battle system where every monster had its own specific song that played when it was in battle. And if you could tap along with it at the right time, you could deal extra damage with the beat and stuff like that, despite the fact it was an <laughs> RPG. <laughs> so that was really neat. Wow, that's pretty cool. So um, I'm guess I'm seeing a theme with you, Billy. You like you like games where combat is is not the only solution. So um, I'm guessing you're not going to throw Fallout Four up there as as a as an example of the, for this. No, game. no. Well, it's a wonderful game. Um, <laughs> I would consider for this. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I get it. I get it. Oh, and I so want to bring mine up, but I'm going to let Aaliyah take another bite at the apple. So give it, give us another one, Shadow of the Colossus person. <laughs> okay, easy. Okami. Ah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, well, why? A, uh, why? It's a game you can just look at, and you can't mistake it for anything else. You look at Okami, any screenshot of it, and you're like, oh, that's Okami. Nothing else. Mm. It has beautiful <laughs> art, the calligraphy brushes on it. I mean, you go into combat and you're used to swords and you're used to guns or punching things. You never expect, oh, let's use this wolf's tail as a brush and make art to do our damage. 
<laughs> That's cool. Well, I would expect you to like that game because you are an artist, and it is probably I would say if we were doing a if we were doing a uh, a show on the top ten most artistic games ever created, that would be probably top three. I would guess I would be up there. If if not number one, I can't think there there were a couple others that did some interesting stuff with art, but that was the only one that I can think of where art was actually the uh, kind of the central theme of it. I mean, is is that right? Am I missing something else? I think that was pretty much that's kind of like the 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 one to hold up if you're looking for a, a really artistic game. Yeah, I'd have to think about it if I were to try to find something else, but that one definitely, if not the top, is up there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, look, we have a we have a show topic for another day. Um, so the one that I want to bring up, which I was so freaking surprised, <laughs> is uh, I'm going to bring up Heavy Rain, uh, which was uh, PlayStation Three exclusive, um, and uh, I just absolutely loved that game. I did not know what to expect going into it because um, you know I'd heard people. I know Todd Hargosh doesn't does doesn't like it, although I don't think he's ever played it. But he says, you know, it's Dragon's Lair, <laughs> you know, and it's and there is a little bit of that. But I think for me, it was amazing because it, first off, it told him a really deep story about a father who had lost his kid or his kid was kidnapped, basically. And there was a serial killer and then there was a, a cop and there was a journalist Um and you were, and you got to play all four of those characters uh, and see the whole thing from a different angle. And I, I mean, I played it. I have a, a friend who's also a gamer who played it. My wife, who's not really a gamer, played it, and we all really connected with the game for different reasons. I mean, some of it was just, uh, you know, if you needed to shave, you actually went into your bathroom and and shaved, and you had to move your controller to like shave and stuff, and that was kind of cool. But then some of it was, you know, the serial killer gets you locked in a room and and tells you you have to slice off one of your fingers. Um, um, or you're never going to see your kid alive again. So you have to, like, pick the tool that you're going to use. Like, you pick up a corkscrew, and you're like, uh, no, not a corkscrew. Uh, let's try, oh, here's a saw. That might be a little bit better. Oh, an axe. Much better. <laughs> and then you actually have to, you know, saw through your hand and stuff. And it was, it had its moments, but I thought it was, it was really riveting. Um, and it has a really Hitchcock-like uh, twist at the end as far as the plot that, I don't think you'll see coming because my wife sees every plot uh, uh, for every movie that we've ever seen, like within five minutes of going to a movie, she'll be like, oh, this is the killer and this is why. I don't know how she does it, but she does. And she didn't see the heavy rain ending. So I would I would highly recommend it. I know you guys don't do a whole lot of PlayStation stuff. Did either one of you get a chance to experience heavy rain at all? I didn't get to play it, but I did sit down and watch a walkthrough because I have a but I heard about it, so I sat down and watched it, and it was really interesting. Like, I didn't get to play it, so, like I said, so I don't know, like, all how the buttons work or how I didn't get to <laughs> interact with it, but I did say that since it was a movie to me, it was a really sure. good movie because all I got to do was watch it. So, <laughs> but it, I actually really enjoyed what I saw, and, I, and you're right, I was surprised at the end, so oh, okay. I, at okay. Least enjoyed, I at least enjoyed it for that. It's not getting to play it. So I can see where you're coming from. Well, yeah. I mean, I thought it was interesting. And I thought for somebody who hasn't, who hasn't, doesn't play a lot of games like my wife, 
I didn't think the, we're, the plot twist at the end. I mean, I guess the game's been out for like what eight years now, so we could, we could probably mention it without it technically being a spoiler. But I guess if you ever want to play Heavy Rain, you know, skip over the next thirty seconds or so, and I'll even try to talk about it. But basically, you play this one character through the whole game, and you totally think this one character is a certain type of person. And you are that person. You become that person. You identify with that person. And then the plot twist is totally switches it around on you where this person is really, really a bad, bad, bad guy. And it kind of makes sense uh, to you at that point. But, I mean, I don't know. I almost felt like... uh, I almost felt like dirty for taking on this guy's role, you know? <laughs> and and who knew a game could do that? It was just it was crazy. It was insane. So I I think that is a uh, is a really awesome thing. So that was my that was my whiz bang uh entry into this thing. I have another one that's kind of on the peripheral, but we'll see. Billy, you're uh, you're next. Why don't you give us another one? All right. Um this one uh, this one I think is kind of going to be like your next one. I I think it fits, but it's not as strong as my first two. Um, it'll definitely make Todd happy though, and <laughs> that's Metal Gear Solid. Oh wow! Which now just the whole series or the original? Um, I'm talking or? about the first one specifically because mm-hmm. I, I played the first one. I borrowed it from a friend whenever I was in like I don't know ninth grade, something like that. And I'd never played a game that interacted with the player the way Metal Gear Solid did. Because Metal Gear Solid is pretty self-aware of itself. It kind of knows it's a game, and it pokes fun at itself and stuff like that sometimes. But there were just little things like whenever I would play it, and there's this torture section, and you have to like hammer down on a button over and over again. And then you get called up later, and, and the medic's like, here, I'll, I'll administer a... You know, a relax, a, a relaxant to your arm, and you hold the, and they're like, hold the controller up to your arm, and you hold it up, and it starts vibrating and everything like that. <laughs> it just did a whole lot of like really cool things like that, or like the Psycho Manus fight where he can read your mind, and then like your commander calls and says, switch your controller to controller port two. He won't be able to read your mind then. Like it, it <laughs> that's it awesome. Really, it blew my mind as a kid because I was like, I didn't know a game could interact with me this way <laughs> that's pretty cool i think todd mentioned that one don't you have like a heart attack in the game or something and the, and then the you have to shoot and shoot and shoot adrenaline into your heart with uh the, the controller or something like that <laughs> um that might have been one of the later ones i don't think that's the first one okay okay well cool cool i and i see i thought all metal gear was was hiding hiding inside boxes and walking around <laughs> <laughs> sneaking up on enemies uh, inside a like orange box or something, but apparently it's deeper than I thought. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, and you know, it started the whole Metal Gear industry. I mean, there's been so many since then. Um, now, you, have you played the whole series or just the first one, Billy? Um, I've played the first three in the Solid series. There was like the Metal Gear series back then, and I've, right, I've right, tried right, those. Right. I can't quite. I, I I never really got a chance to get into them. Um, but I, I'm, I've played the first three, and not having a PS3, I never played four, and I haven't got right. to play five yet either. So, well, my question was going to be, uh, do you think that it that the series kept that kept that you know anybody can play, make an impact on you, um, or do you think that they kind of kind of peaked with the first one as far as the terms of this show goes? Um, I hmm, I don't know. That's kind of tough. I think the first one's the best example. 
mm-hmm. but there are definitely things in the third one that I think apply to, apply to what the first one did as well. Um, the second one maybe not quite as strong, and it's kind of the weak point of the series from what I from what I've always thought and how I've always understood it. But there are elements similar to the first one in the other games that I know of that aren't quite as strong as the first one, in my opinion, but are still that really. Makes sense. I mean, it's hard to capture lightning in a bottle twice. I mean, it, re- it really is. I mean, there was talk about um, coming out with a heavy rain, too, going back to, to my other example. And, you know, I was like, I, I don't know if they could actually if they could actually have an impact. First off, everybody would be expecting some major plot twist the whole time. And, and secondly, yeah. I, don't think, I don't think people are as enthralled by the whole motion of the controller type of thing as they were at one time. It was kind of a novelty back then, a novelty that they did really well in the game, but, you know, I don't think that, um, I don't think people are, think that's as cool anymore, you know. It's like, once you've seen The Wizard of Oz in color, you know, then the next movie that comes out in color, you're like, oh, yeah, it's in color, too. <laughs> you're not, not quite as blown away by it. So, interesting. Aaliyah, why don't you give us another one? Uh, let's see. I'm going to say Eternal Darkness. Now, that's one I've heard batted around a lot. I don't know a lot about it, though. Uh, it's an adventure game, right? Um, yes. Sort of puzzly, mostly adventure. It's a lot of, like, Cthulhu lore and stuff in it. But what really made it interesting is the insanity system. And the insanity system actually messed with you as a player while you're playing. Um, one of the best examples I have of that is I was playing... And, yeah, my sanity meter got low. And then I saw on the TV that the volume was going down. And I about turned around and yelled at my brother because I thought he was doing it, only to find out that the <laughs> game was screwing with me. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so the so the volume wasn't actually being turned down. It was it – was, the game it was, was it basically – Oh, and wow. It a lot of stuff like that. It, like, erased your save file. It says, oh, you beat the game. What? <laughs> or bugs would crawl on the screen, or your character's head would fly off, and it's just like, what? Oh, my gosh. That's so weird. Um, yeah, the only the only game that I can remember that had a sanity system like that was, uh, oh, a terrible game called Kane and Lynch, where, uh, they were psychopath. Well, the one was a definite psychopath. So he would occasionally see like, uh, um, I believe cops would would mutate into like pig-like heads and stuff like that, and then he'd start shooting them. And then I guess when you played your partner, he didn't see the illusion, you know. So it was like, mm-hmm. what the hell are you doing, you know, that type of thing. So uh, interesting. I like games that mess with you. Uh, some some of the Batman games do that too, with the uh, with the whole you know dump you into a blue screen of death type of thing just for mm-hmm. just for fun. <laughs> so. Um, Cool. Well, the game that I was going to bring up, um, I'm actually going to I'm going to bring up two real quick because the, Aaliyah talking about adventure games made me remember one that I think probably would fit the list, and that's called The Longest Journey, um, which was a really really good series um, that kind of lost its way uh, after the fact. I think the director of the game like went insane or something. I'm not exactly sure the history behind it, but the first one was really good. It was the first time that we got to play a really cool female character. Um, and, you know, I'm obviously not a female, but I enjoyed 
seeing life from that perspective, the perspective of a of a teenage girl um, who happens to be traveling between two worlds, one that's filled with science and one that's filled with magic. So it's a little weird, but um, I really like the story, and I, I think that deserves mention. Um, Unfortunately, what happened was that you know the publishers got a little bit greedy, they, and and uh, so they they added like combat elements to the second one where you had to like punch people and stuff, and it just got kind of ridiculous. Um, they had something special with the original, and I don't think they should have messed with with that. So, but anyway, Longest Journey, the original, was a good one. The one that I was gonna going to bring up was. Um, uh, the Baldur's Gate series. Uh, the Baldur's Gate series was one of the first super in-depth RPGs. Um, not a JRPG, but more of a Western-style RPG. You know, it actually followed the Dungeons and Dragons rule set, and uh, you know, really simplistic given you know compared to games today, where you just a top-down interface. But they did a lot with, like, your characters had voices, and they would say different things, and I don't know, I really got into it. I don't know if anybody else here was into role-playing games at the time, but I, I went through the whole series, and then I went through the entire series again just because of one decision that I made uh, in the middle of the series that I didn't like. It was when you, your character decides which are the two love interests he was going to marry, uh, Ariel or... Um, Janessa, I think was her name, and I picked Janessa the first time, and I didn't really like how that how that went off. So I played the entire series again. We're talking like eighty hours of gameplay over like three games, just so I could pick the other girl the second time. So I, I think that game had a bit of an influence on me. I'd say. <laughs> Were either I, of you two into Baldur's Gate at all? <laughs> yeah, I'm actually with... I'm actually doing a run through of it right now. <laughs> Oh, okay, okay. So, so you you don't think I'm insane, Billy? <laughs> no, no. It's 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 a really good game. Um, a while back, I I picked up like the box sets of like Icewind Dale yep. and Neverwinter Nights and Baldur's Gate one and two, all those. And I've been mm -hmm. meaning to really sit down and play through them. And I, I started Baldur's Gate uh, about a month ago, and I've been jumping in and on with other games, but I really enjoy it. It's and like you said, it really is like a great example of D and D in video game form. Oh, it, it is, and there's so many things. The, the thing that was cool about it, there's so many things that you can do. Like if you have like a little trick that you use when you do pen and paper role playing, you can probably do it in the game. Like I know a guy who created a monk character. So monks get evasion, and then at a certain level they get improved evasion, which means that if they if they succeed on a on a dexterity check roll they don't take any damage at all so they would make a monk and they would run them up into the middle of um of combat keeping the rest of their party back and then they would have their mage launch fireballs with the monk targeted as the target of the fireball and he would usually just roll out of it and not take any damage meanwhile all the monsters all around were being destroyed um so it's just it's <laughs> Yeah, which you can do within the D&D &D rules, and it works in the game, too, so it's pretty pretty cool. And uh, I think a lot of games, uh, whether they admit it or not, in the role-playing genre, take a lot from Baldur's Gate. So I hope you enjoy the series, Bailey. I think you, I think you will. So, all right, well, it looks like we have time for one more example from each of you guys. So, uh, so bring up your, your best last example, and uh, Billy, it's uh, your turn. All right, um, I'm going to go with... Um Bastion. I wouldn't necessarily say like my best example, but it is it is a really good example. Um, Bastion was a really really unique game, especially when it came out because it's it's this indie game and it's a it's a top down kind of 
beat em up RPG deal. And the way the game works, you basically have this shattered world, and the world pops up around you as you walk around. So it made it really interesting to explore. Like, you know, where's the land going to pop up next to lead me down these paths and everything? And it had a great art style, but one of the things that, like, just really, really stuck out about it was the fact that the entire game is narrated. So, like, if you're playing, and and they always refer to your character as the kid, so if you're playing that game, um, and, like, you know, you're just sitting around and not doing anything, voice comes up, the kid just sits around and rests for a minute and, and stuff like that. Or, like, if you're just beating up boxes for no reason just to try to get, like, you know, random loot or something out of them, the voice comes up and the kid takes out his frustration on some boxes and stuff like that. <laughs> that like, was... Things like that. <laughs> that was a that's an Android game, isn't it, Billy? Um, when I played it, it was it was back on PC. Um, it might be on Android now. I don't know. Oh. It was on Xbox that's... and PC at the time. Okay, I think I played it on Android, and I think uh, I remember the the voices because I think I had a phone call or something like that, and I had to I just left him sitting there, and when I came back, the narrator was like bitching at me because like <laughs> I was just sta- standing around. He's like he's still standing there, <laughs> and that like deep authoritative narrator voice. So yeah, mm-hmm. very co- very cool example, very cool example. All right, Aaliyah, you get to end the you get to end the show. What do you have for us as a as a final example? Final example is going to be Portal. Ah, good one, good one. Uh, would you like to explain why you like Portal? <laughs> Everybody has kind of their own reasons, I think. But what, what was it about Portal that you thought was cool? The reason Portal is on this list, because it's obviously a cool game regardless, but the reason it's on this list specifically is because it was something small that wasn't intended to be as big as it was, but they made something so complete and so just sharp and perfect. Not, you know, pretty much perfect. They had glottos in there to help spur you along. They had the puzzles that were fine. It was like if you got lost, well, not lost, but like stuck in one room, there was a way out of it. They just had this nice game, and then they switched it up at the end to make it something really interesting for their, like, a story-wise. And it just blew up because it was great even if yeah, it wasn't it appe- to be yeah i think it, it appealed to a lot of people with um like greg crow absolutely loves that game because it's ju- basically like a giant puzzle that you're inside of you know and then i know people who liked it because of the adventure game and then there are so many people that um just like just set set up and do all kinds of weird stuff you know where they keep constantly falling through the portal and see how fast they can get and all kinds of it was, it was neat it was like fun with physics <laughs> yeah it allowed In for experimentation but at the same time if you wanted to actually just do the game it only took like a few hours it was really short so mm. you could play around and do whatever you wanted but if you just wanted for the experience like yeah that's there too really quick and you feel satisfied at the end regardless of what you did that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a puzzle gamer by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, they, I have a very short tolerance for puzzle games uh, for some reason, and even I really enjoyed Portal. So, yeah, pretty pretty cool. Um, and that's another one that kind of made the mainstream for a while. You know, people, everybody knew about Portal, and everybody wanted to play Portal. So, perfect topic for this particular thing. Um, excellent. 
right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. This was a fun show, and uh, I will mention to the uh, to the readers that um, we're going to be doing an editorial and bringing in all the staff uh, to uh, contribute uh, their uh, picks uh, to this type of um, this type of game. And uh, for anyone who's listening to us and would like to participate, uh, you can uh, comment in the comment section right at the bottom of here, or you can give us an email at ginlounge@gameindustry.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, also, join us on Facebook at uh, Facebook slash Game Industry, and uh, you can also find us on Printerest and Google Plus and a bunch of places. And, of course, we're always right here at GameIndustry.com. All right, guys, thanks a lot. I'll let you get back to playing some amazing games, and, uh, you know, we'll, 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 we'll dig deep and look around, and maybe next year we can do uh, part two, games that came out in 2016 that, that, that fit this mold, if we were only that lucky. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take care, everybody. I'll see you next time. See you later.